Genesis 28, we're starting at verse 10. And I'm going to read from the New King James. I'm, I'm reading from my iPad, but I do have the real Bible on here, I promise. So I'm not just like playing Candy Crush while I'm talking or anything like that. All right. <laughs> Chapter 28, verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones that placed, uh, of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, in the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. I hope that's how you say that. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So let's just pray tonight. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this word that you've prepared. And we thank you that as we stood in, in your presence and worship and, and took our minds off of our own circumstances for a period of time, that you, and as you're glorified, that you break up the fallow ground of our heart to receive your word, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you tonight that you're faithful, Lord God, and that you've gone ahead and prepared this, Jesus, for us. And we just worship you, and we just pray that you're exalted tonight. Lord God, let your words be spoken, and let your name be glorified. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, as I was researching this out, if I had a name for this message, I, I'm not brave enough to call it a sermon. I'm just going to say message. Uh, it would be the altar in the tent. Now, Jacob uh, was on, I, I think sometimes we kind of gloss over a lot of details of the word because we, we don't always get insight into their emotion. I think we have to read into it on our own. And if you have ever heard of uh, Judah Smith, I listen to a lot of Judah Smith. He's the pastor of City Church in Seattle, Washington, and he just wrote a book that's just revolutionizing Seattle, Washington, and it's called Jesus is Blank. It's awesome. I will loan it to you on my Kindle app because I can do that. Um, it's amazing. It will totally shake up your faith and, uh, and some things that you think, and if it can be shaken, it needs to be shaken. So I really recommend that book. But in that book, he talks about giving Bible characters voices. And it's really funny because uh, he's like, I kind of have ADHD, and I need to give these characters voices so that they become real to me. And so I kind of started doing that. So um, as, I, as I started doing that, which sounds really silly, it made them very real to me. And I was thinking, it's like Jacob, in this situation, he had just stolen Esau's birthright and his blessing kind of messed up, if you ask me, although Esau it wasn't really all that important to him. But anyway, he just basically destroyed his relationship with, with his brother. There's no, uh, no chance of restoration in that relationship. It's done. And I just know that 
for my heart, if something happened between me and, and one of my sisters, I would be heartbroken. So I'm thinking he's not in the best place mentally. His mom was like, you better go for a while. <laughs> you better take off because uh, he's going to kill you. So go visit my cousin Laban. So he's like, peace out, homies. And he, um, he takes off, and he's, he's at this place, and he's on his way out of town. And he's like, okay, this is a good place to rest for the night. I hope he doesn't know where I am. I kind of want to keep my head, I guess. That's what I'm thinking. So anyway, he, he just pitches this tent temporarily. And then in his distress, I, I'm, I'm imagining he's feeling quite distressed, he has this miraculous and dramatic life-changing encounter with God. And then what he does, he builds an altar. And I just, I, I just really started asking the Lord, like, what, is, what does that mean? And, and the Lord really revealed to me that when, we, they, when they build these altars, I mean, it's in his word, too, but he, they build these altars as memorial, as, as uh, a memory. And so this, this is the marking the place that I had this amazing encounter with God. And in Exodus 20, 24, and this is the New Living Translation, it says, build for me an altar made of earth. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. And offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered, and I will come to you and bless you. So that was Exodus twenty twenty four. That was the NLT, and I know not many people have that, so I just like that. I like that translation. So then it occurred to me that maybe many of the Old Testament figures that we speak about a lot, Abraham, Jacob, the Israelites even, they were nomads. They didn't really have a permanent home. They, they were nomadic. They traveled around a lot. They were pitching tents in new places all the time. So when Jacob was on the run, he pitched his tent for the night. Um, that tent he built was temporary, but that altar lived on. It was permanent. He, that, that encounter with God was marked in his life. And I, I just, there's many places in scripture, and you can flesh this out later. There's many places where, where this happens. And I'm just going to read one more to you if you want to turn to Joshua 4, starting at verse 4. Joshua is just one of my favorite people in the Bible. I can't wait to meet him someday in heaven. So Joshua 4, verse 4. And we're going to read to verse 7. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. So this was occurring before, basically before the Israelites were about to invade Canaan. Um, And they just spent a long, long time pitching a lot of temporary tents in circles, (laughs) probably. So, um... I, I just began to ask the Lord, uh, like, why, why are you pointing this out so much? And why, why is it in Scripture that we should remember what you've done? Why is that important? And I, and I mean, I know in my mind why it's important, but I just wanted a revelation of, of what that means to me. And I, 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 f- I really felt the Lord tell me that sometimes in our lives we, we build our own temporary tents. That when we experience any kind of difficulty or adversity, 
yes, we can pray and we can declare in faith that it would be removed from us. And God is sovereign. He has absolute power to, to take and to give. He really does. And we know that. And I think sometimes we try to force things because it's uncomfortable. But when God allows us to experience difficulty, and that's a really big mind shift for me. And I remember when I had to realize that, that God does allow us to experience difficulty. But his ways are higher than our ways. His ways are not our ways. And sometimes we have to be comfortable with just not understanding why. And we, I think a lot of freedom comes when we, when we don't need to know the answer. That's our, that's our flesh and our, and our soul that, needs to, that just strives for an answer. But, but sometimes it's just about obedience. And sometimes it's about what he's trying to teach us. So um, in Matthew 5, 45, it says that he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So... I think that we get really bent out of shape as Christians when bad things happen to good people. And if we're really honest, we get bent out of shape about why good things happen to bad people, if you ask me. Um, But that's just life. When we see tornadoes destroy homes and we see hurricanes come and we see murders and we see all of these horrible things and we we just don't understand, it's life. It's part of being a human. It's part of being on earth. It just is life. But... I believe that our picture of who God is is just grossly limited. Now, I'll just share a little bit of my own background. And I feel like as I grew up as a child, my picture of God, and I do this nervous thing, so if you're like, what's she moving? I'm sorry. It's, it's the ADHD rubbing off on me from all of my junior high kids. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, I'm just <laughs> just joking. Um, my picture of God when I was a child was a lot like Santa Claus. It was the Salvation Santa Claus. And I know that sounds funny. I know, um, I think I was telling somebody about this. If you've seen the movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, Santa Claus shows up to them in Narnia and gives them tools. And and one of my friends was really bothered by that. She's like, I don't understand. I know there's biblical symbolism, but why the heck is Santa Claus there? I just don't get it. And for me, I'm like, I totally get it. Are you kidding me? I was like, that's the Holy Spirit. He's bringing them gifts. He loves them. He wants to prepare them. He loves And she's like, really? No. I don't like that. And I think it's because it's kind of a pagan figure. But to me, I, re- I understood the, the representation. And so as I grew up, I really did not have problem. I, like, like I had no difficulty believing that God loved me. And I have a really good self-esteem, I think. Like, I don't know why. I'm not sure why it was that way. I just, I just knew that God loved me, and he wanted to give me good things. And he wanted me to succeed. And he wanted my life to be blessed. I mean, I really, that was my picture of God. While all of that is true, it is true, God, to me, I see that that was just like this little picture. And I I feel like God is a diamond. And he's just, there's so many facets. And, and, And when we experience difficulty and we don't push against it, but when we allow God to come in and show himself to be faithful, he reveals more about his character. And while his character will always be limited to us, we'll never, ever fully grasp the character of God and, and the true beauty that he is. We'll never understand it because our minds would explode. We can't comprehend it. We just can't. And that's why as a, as a worship leader, it's funny, I, I get really bent out of shape when people are like, I don't like that worship song because it's God, it says God is this, and but God is not just that. He's, he's this too. And I'm like, well, there's no song 
that can contain him. So good luck. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like we, we, I mean, we spend so much time uh, in worship, and I, and I notice a lot of times um, that worship takes on a theme that that we'll spend a lot of time and we'll sing we'll sing healer and and I believe God I believe you're my healer I believe you're more than enough for me and we'll spend time singing that and declaring you're my healer you but we well he's not just our healer I mean do you say that that you we we can't we can't do that yeah he he's not just our healer but he is so maybe this time because our minds are too simple to comprehend all the things that he is, we have to take it little by little. And maybe today we're worshiping him because he's our healer and because he's our portion. But maybe tomorrow we'll be worshiping him just because he's faithful and just because he's good. So, so when we experience difficulty, it's, it's this opportunity to allow our picture of the character of God to be expanded. So we, when we look at these temporary tent experiences, if we, will cha- if we will allow God to change our attitude, they can become these permanent altar opportunities to where God changes, changes our, our life. And we can say, I know that when this happened, God revealed this to me about his character. And I'm going to try not to cry when I explain this to you. But um, as God was changing that Santa Claus picture, we're not really just changing, just expanding, um, that that. Then I understood, I think, when he revealed, when I had that revelation that I was Santa Claus to you for the first 20 years of your life, which is good and it's true, but it's not all, you know, there's more. (laughs) And um, if God were to only give us those gifts and only give us the things that we desired, those good things. And I imagine now that I'm a parent and I'm not like I have a nine month old, so it's not like I know that much about parenting. And I probably know even less than a lot of other people because she's really easy and like sleeps through the night and stuff. So I'm like... (laughs) Somebody, one of my very dear friends told me, oh, you'll think you're the perfect parent till you have the second one. And I'm a little scared of that. So um, <laughs> I was like, okay, so, so I, but I can imagine as a parent how much it must hurt you as a parent to withhold things from your kids. Because, you know, it, when, you, when it's in your ability to give them and you have to withhold them because you, you have to think about the whole person, I guess. You know, when, when it's, with, I, I can't imagine being a millionaire and having all this money and you could just buy your kid whatever you want, but you know you can't because you will spoil them rotten. And then you'll send them to school with their teachers and we have to deal with it. So um, <laughs> I, I, I can only understand how, how the heart of God must, must ache a little bit when, when he can't just give you what you want. But, but there's a bigger picture. And so for me... I didn't go through much difficulty, and I'm, I'm sorry to say that, but I, I, it's true. Um, I heard somebody say that their life was like Pollyanna, and I agree. Um, my life, to me, I just kind of worked out. It was pretty good most of the time. I didn't have a lot of adversity or difficulty. I was set up pretty well for success. I never once doubted that I would succeed. I'm, t- I'm being completely honest with you and transparent. Um, I just didn't, and, and even when I failed, it's like, okay, well, um, it's, well, I'll do better next time. Like, I just was super positive. I don't know what happened. So <laughs> that's how I was. And so when, I think for those kind of people, when, when difficulty comes, it comes a little harder. It's almost like, wait, huh, what? And so um, everybody kind of knows what we went through to have the screaming one in the back. Um, it was a it was a struggle and, and I was I was actually medically diagnosed with infertility, which was really hard to hear because I was thinking, Well no, they don't know that I'm infertile yet. They haven't done all their testing and the doctor's like, No, you are you actually are diagnosed with this. Is she alive? 
Just checking, just checking. <laughs> it's funny how in tune you are to that when you're like in the mom zone, like your ear is really tuned to it. Um, wasn't before, I'd be like, what's that sound? That crying? <laughs> no, now, it's, now it is very tuned to it. But I remember sitting in the doctor's office and, and we knew something was going on and, and, and it was hard, and I'll be honest, my family's here, but it was hard to hear things. Oh, like, you're gonna be fine. Nobody in our family has trouble get, getting pregnant. Trust me, nobody has trouble. Um, you're gonna be fine. And it's hard to hear that when you're like, uh, but I think there's a problem. And then you have the whole struggle about whether or not you even seek help because, but I, if I go to the doctor, then it's, then it, then I'm saying that I don't have faith. And, and all the while my spirit knows that God can, can cause me to, to bear a child at any time. My spirit knows that, but my soul doesn't because our soul, that's our mind, our, our will and our emotions. That's what experiences the highs and lows. And I think it's interesting, if, if you want to turn really quick as I'm explaining, as I'm kind of explaining this, it's Psalm 103, 1 verse 5, and I think worship leaders really love this scripture. Um, there's just some that are just like a worship leader's bread and butter. This is one of them. Um, but I'm going to read from the Amplified, and my mom and dad said that you have to read really loud when you read from the Amplified, because it's amplification. So... Um, I won't yell at you. <laughs> but this is from the Amplified, and there's a couple of things that really stand out to me, and I'm just going to read kind of verse by verse and stop. It says, Ble- this is, bless the Lord, all my soul. We've heard this. The Amplified says, bless affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, all my soul, and all that is deepest within me, bless his holy name. Uh, bless affectionately and gratefully pl- praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget not one of all of his benefits. And um, there's really two things that stand out to me about this. And the first thing is that it's the, the, our spirit tells our soul what to believe. Our spirit tells our soul wh- what to sing, what to, where to really live. Because we can really live in that, in that realm of our soul. And it's really funny that as I it was even preparing to teach tonight, I had a horrible attack at work yesterday, and I'm kind of still dealing with it. And I think that if I wouldn't have been prepared... Uh, I would have responded very much in my soul. <laughs> and, um, thankfully, I kind of didn't. I did at first, and I wrote the email, and then I was like, maybe I should not send that. And, I, and then I edited the email, <laughs> and, then, and then I read it to my friend, who is a mother of four. So I, uh, my, she's my accompanist, and she, she has a good head on her shoulders. So I was like, will you read this for me and just make sure that I don't sound like a crazy hormonal woman, please? And she read it. She's like, oh, no, it's very appropriate. So we were kind of dealing with this issue. Um, so I think it's funny that our, that our, it's like the Lord instructs us in not, he doesn't just say bless the Lord or like the psalmist doesn't just say bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, the, the place that is most likely to be blown by the winds of adversity, the thing that's most likely to be shaken. He tells, he tells it, bless the Lord. And I think that's interesting that just, this just like duh like with our in our emotions and in our in our mind where things are easily shaken where our spirit knows that God is capable of miracles for me as I was sitting in that doctor's office and hearing the bad news my spirit knew the whole time it's like my spirit I could feel it rejecting the information and then at the same time I could feel my mind soaking it in does that make sense I don't know like it's like I I know what the doctor has said and even now I still they're they're still telling you know they're still telling me stuff that I'm like it's always like kind of in there but then my spirit doesn't bear witness with it. So it's a really big dichotomy. So it's like I, you experience the, the grief and the, and the frustration and the, and the hurt and the disappointment in, in your soul. But your spirit knows the truth. So we have to work to reconcile the two. 
So it's funny, and I, and I believe we do that just by praising the Lord and just by offering the sacrifice of praise and just constantly having the word of the Lord on your mouth and not speaking out and, and declaring those negative things, but we do it by, by telling our soul what to believe. No, soul, you're going to worship even though you want to cry and fall on the floor. You're going you're gonna to worship. And then the next thing that, that, that stands out to me is that it says, forget not one of all of his benefits. And so that goes back to when we talked about building those altars of memorial, and yet now we don't have to build the sacrificial altars because Jesus was the sacrifice. That ultimate sacrifice was paid. But I believe that we still should build those memorial altars in our lives. We should still be marking the places that God has shown himself faithful because what that does it for me, I, was, I think I mentioned it earlier, I listened to a lot of Dave Ramsey, so my brother will be really proud of me. Um, he's actually met Dave. I have the picture on my computer. I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. I've done the Financial Peace University. Highly encourage it. Um, listen to Dave all the time. He's awesome. He talks a lot about having an emergency fund. If you're going through your debt snowball, that's number one. It, well, no, the steps to financial peace, the debt snowball is a step, right? My brother was, would be here. He would know. So the first thing you do is you have a th- $1,000 emergency fund. And why you? that's step one. Yes. Okay, I didn't want to misquote Dave. Um, that's just like high treason. Uh, so step one is, is, is having this $1,000 emergency fund. And he says the reason for it is that because then an, emer- an emergency doesn't feel like an emergency. And I remember the first time I experienced that, we got our little emergency fund and like instantly something happened with our car. And we had to go spend the emergency fund. And I was like, no, I have to spend my emergency fund. And he's like, that's what it's for. Calm down. Like, and I was like, oh, we have the, oh, I get it. Like, ding, like, hello, moron. Like, it totally occurred to me that the reason you have an emergency fund is so that when emergencies happen, they're not emergencies. Uh, duh. Okay, so when that, that spiritually rang true for me even, so that we don't prepare for the emergency during the emergency. We prepare ahead of time. So when we go, it's just like when they ask somebody, or when, when they tell you if you want something done, ask a new Christian to pray because God's building their faith. <laughs> so you're like, hey, <laughs> pray for me because you've only, you know, you're, you're new. You're new at this, so God won't God will do it for you because he's building your faith. So pray for, you know, <laughs> have you heard that? Like that makes sense to me. So it's like that as God, as God does things in your life and as his picture, as the, your picture of his character expands, it's like you build up this little bank of like God's done this and God's done this and he's done this and he's done this so that when something negative happens, you don't have to respond to it just and, and fall apart. I mean, it's not an emergency because you know God's done this and he's done this. And I know that if he, like, if he's done this, this miracle, then I know he can take care of this. And so when we build those little altars of remembrance, and, and, and for, for me, for us, Daphne is, is a little walking altar of remembrance. Like, she's just the very picture for me of what God is capable of. That's, I mean, that's the, that's the miracle I've experienced. And so to me, when a bill comes, and it's like, by the way, you have to pay this. I, I don't, I, I feel like, okay, this is nothing. This is, God can do this. Because when we start taking stock of what God has done in our lives and we, we keep track of it, you know, I mean, even just, even something so practical as keeping a log of God answered my prayer, God answered this prayer. That's why I think prayer journals are great. And I think it's really funny. I actually had uh, this rem- uh, memory. I think right before we went into our credential program, which was, 
oh gosh, five years ago, um, we stood, I remember Chris and I stood up here and my dad prophesied over us that, that we needed to make, keep a journal of all the things God was going to do because he was about to, perf- I mean, I'm just summing it up, I'm paraphrasing. He was about to perform some miracles and you guys need to remember what's about to happen. And, and then we did, we, we experienced God's faithfulness and, and his miracles. I mean, we still are. So I think it's really funny that, that that was an instruction that came to us from the Lord. And, um, excuse me, I'm going to keep reading actually in here, um, just to tie things up for, for, I I was really worried that it's like when I feel like for me, when God speaks to me and I have this revelation, I feel like it like rumbles in my, in in my spirit. And then I don't want to open my mouth because I'm afraid it's going to blah out like all word vomity and stuff. So, um, so I'm going to keep reading here. Um, uh, where am I here? So bless affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all of his benefits, who forgives every one of our iniquities, who heals each one of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and corruption, who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. And this, this is the part that stood out to me the most. Who satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation, with good, so that your youth renewed is like the eagles, strong, overcoming, and soaring. And what, what that said to me is that God cares about where we are right now. It's uh, the, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation. I just love those words. That is amazing to me. And um, just to kind of wrap this up with a, like a little personal story, I remember the day that I sat in the doctor's office, and they were like, so. And I remember her face. Because I was like, because I really honestly expected to come in and be like, you're pregnant. Oh, my gosh. I, that's, I honestly, because I'm so positive. Um, that's what I thought was going to happen. I'm serious. And I sat in there because it was our anniversary. I remember, I think it was our four-year, no, four, how, I don't know how long I'm married. I don't know. A long time. Um, a long time. Four years, I think. And I, we were sitting there, and it was our anniversary. And we were going to go see a movie later. We saw the zoo movie. I really remember this day. Because my sister brought me bought me cow tails because she felt bad for me, and that shows we really have like a food problem. <laughs> like we really like food is therapy. It's not a good thing. So I remember we were sitting there, and I always took my mom to my doctor's appointments too to have another set of ears, um, and and my husband. So I always had like a, a crew. Like I had a posse when I walked in that fertility clinic. I was like, I got my peeps. It was funny. So I don't know why I always had like a whole entourage. So I remember her telling me, "Well, this is okay, and this is okay." Um, you know, like structurally, like you, you do have a uterus, so that's a good sign. Um, <laughs> you know, like they were walking me through all this. And, and then the, the, I remember when they said, but um, you have one little level that's like through the roof. And she started speaking all these things over me. And I know that she's a doctor and she just like says things. Um, but she's just said, I think you're going to, and I'll be really honest. She said, I think you're going to go through menopause early. You need to be done having your kids if you have them by the age of 30. And we need to look into egg donors. And I was like, like, oh, I'm like, then I'm thinking, how can she just say that to me? And it's like, okay, it's not personal. She, just, she has to legally, like, give me that information. Um, so I remember leaving and just, like, I remember going out in the parking lot and just crying. And then the, the whole day was just really ruined, if you ask me. But um, I remember going home and laying in bed and crying. And the only, I was like, I couldn't identify how I felt. And that's one thing we were really educated to do as we grew up in my house. Like, you, why are you feeling this way? what's causing this, you can deal with it. Like we had, we really like got really good at identifying our feelings. 
and the only thing that I could explain it as is like somebody had died. It is grief, and I know Angel understands that. <laughs> but in that time, in that place that I was in, where all I felt like it was, it really is grief, and I have so much sympathy for for women that struggle with that because it's truly like a grief that if you've walked there, you're the only one that can understand it because it's like the loss of something that you, you know, you, that you always thought you'd have. And then the loss that you have every month when, you know, your thousands of dollars in treatment don't work. That sucks. So (laughs) when you spend lots of money and then you find out like, oh no, it didn't work. And you start all the way over because it's not even something that like your chances increase over time. And I know that you're like, this is too much information, but <laughs> it is the truth. It's like you, um, usually like when you have a sickness or something, you can treat it and it gets better over time. It's not something that gets better over time. You're starting over constantly. So it's like a new grief that you're experiencing. And that's what I felt. I just felt like, oh, like this, just the deepest pain, honestly. And you might seem like that is nothing, girl. Just wait till you're older. I know I'm 26 and I have not experienced that much of life. But for what I know, that was the darkest place I've really ever been in. And for my picture of Santa Claus, Jesus, that, that only wants to give me good things, I was like, what have I done? What have I done? And I started even racking my brain and like repenting of things. I don't even know if I did. And I was like, okay, if I've been judgmental, Lord, forgive me. Like, I mean, I'm walking through all these things and just feeling all this, this grief in my soul. And all the while in my spirit, I know what God's capable of. I really do. I mean, I, I saw his miracles my whole life. But if I would have never experienced that, and I, and I really feel it in that moment that God came and he comforted me. And I know that sounds so simple, but if you never experience adversity, if you never walk through grief, then you never have the picture of God. You, you never experience the side of his character where he wants to just come and hold you and, and, and weep with you and put his arm around you and comfort you. You won't ever experience that. So when we begin to walk through these, these areas of disappointment and frustration and adversity, we can trust that what we know of God's character is true and that he just wants, he wants to come and, and comfort you and love you. And, and so w- if we get everything we want all the time, it's like, thank God, thanks God, you're cool. And, but it's never like this, we never have that close communion with him where we experience grief and, and, and he will come and just put his arm around you and just sit with you. You know, and I feel like in that moment I experienced that. And, and in all honesty, I would walk through it again t- just because I know that that's what came out of it. Um, and I mean, it's even like in a marriage relationship when you get, when you get married and, and you're young and, and you've only, you know, when you're dating and you're the best version of yourself, um, cause they don't see you like with no makeup on or like with stuff in your teeth or like before you brush your teeth or anything like that. So it's like, <laughs> everything's really good. And I, I know it's, it's kind of on one hand, it's like, you don't want to deal with struggles in your marriage or difficulty, but then at the same time you get excited when you do walk through something and you come out on the other side stronger you know, and, and closer, and you just know each other better, and I wouldn't want to go back to our first year of marriage, well, you know, to, to be honest, I mean, it was, it was good, and it wasn't, it wasn't bad, I don't have, like, traumatic memories, but I like where we are now, definitely, because we're stronger and closer, and I feel like our walk with God, if we, if we don't press against the difficulty, if we don't, if we don't press against those temporary tense situations and sometimes God does allow us to to come to that place and say, you're going to hang out here for a while so I had to pitch my tent in infertility, but then now there's the, and that would, but it was temporary. 
And now there's a permanent altar in my life where I say, God, you are faithful. You, I experience, I truly experienced the miracle of God. And I don't know if you guys know all the details, but the month I did find out I was, I was uh, pregnant with Daphne. I, um, that was my last month of treatment for like a while. I was, I have to quit. I have to give up because I'm, I'm, it's destroying my life. Like I have to stop. I had need a break. And my hormones, like my husband, I'm probably sure needed a break because you really actually are living with like a truly menopausal person. That's what it does. It gives you the symptoms. So you're like having hot flashes. I'm like, I'm 24. Why am I having hot flashes? So it's terrible. But when, when we allow it, when we, when we understand that, it, I think so many times in our, in our faith, we try to declare away the trouble. And, and it's true. It, and you should. I mean, all the while, I never stopped declaring that God would give me a family. I never stopped declaring that, but then I still, I had to, I had to live there for a little while, but it was temporary, but the miracle that God performed, it will always be there. It's always permanent, and, and no matter what happens, it's like, for me, I'll always remember, I have this altar in my life, this altar of remembrance, where God was faithful, and I think that we have to come to a point that even if God does nothing else, that we would still choose to follow him, and we choose to worship him, and the rest of I love what that scripture says, that he, he heals our diseases and he forgives our iniquities. And, and if, if it was nothing more than forgiveness, that's enough to worship him. We don't have to wait for the next gift, you know. It doesn't have to, it can't be Christmas morning every day. And uh, we can't just continually open the gifts of God without, without learning more about his character. And so mature, when maturity starts, we start to walk toward maturity. I feel like we do experience difficulty, but God's faithful and um. Just kind of to wrap it up, I have a very dear friend. Her name's um, Martha, not Martha that goes here, but um, a different Martha. And she's she's actually my mother-in-law's very best friend. And um, Martha has very she's dealt with a lot of sickness, and she knows the Lord, and uh, she's a tough mama, and I, I just love her. She's awesome. She sends me really weird stuff from QVC, like a nativity set in July, right? It was really weird. It was it said peace. It was really beautiful. And then the next year we got joy. And so I'm hoping this year we get a nativity set that says righteousness. Really long. <laughs> righteousness, peace, and joy. Is that where we're going, Martha? So anyway, um, I remember getting, finding out Martha walked through cancer just recently. And I actually got really offended <laughs> by her attitude about it. Because Martha said, well, if God wants me to walk through this, I will. And I was like, what? God can't give you cancer. Okay? It's outside of his ability. It is outside of his character. He does not put, it's, he, he's not f- capable of that. He doesn't do that. So I, my head's going like my Pentecostal brain is like, oh, no, you just, you just like my whole word of faith. Like, no, you just, you know, cast that cancer. And I mean, she was super mature about it because I would be freaking out. And she's like, you know what? This, I feel like God wants me to spend some time in emergency rooms. And just while I'm dealing with cancer, I'll just pray for the people in the, with chemo next to me. And I'm like, are you serious? But then I, and, and I was really frustrated. And I remember telling Chris, like, that's ridiculous. How can she be just accepting the cancer? And I was so frustrated. And then I realized I prayed. And I was just praying for her and praying for her. And then I realized that her attitude was actually very mature. Because <laughs> she was comfortable with the tent experience. Because she knew that the altar was coming. That altar was being built. And she is healed. She's in the remission. It's, it's wonderful. She, she her, you know, it's, she's funny, like, her hair fell out. And she was all posting pictures on Facebook, like, my new bald head. Like, she did, I was just like, I've never seen somebody handle cancer so well. And she has, she has ulcerative colitis, so she deals with sickness a lot. Um, 
uh, she, it's just I guess she's used to it and she really she does hospital visits and just really has this anointing to go and sit with sick people I love it I don't have that <laughs> at all uh, I really don't but but as I, I learned something watching her through that experience and it's that if we don't if we don't always try to push against the problem and if we allow God if we just say Lord if you want me to camp out here for a little while, I will do it because I know that you're going to show me more of your character. You're going to reveal something new that I don't know about who you are because I know that that God, uh, God, we're created to worship him. And, and I think that that's why we have free will is that he wants to know that we would, we would do it on our own accord. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't want people that just like, I, I worship you and, and never, never, uh, have the opportunity to walk away, I guess. We, we have that opportunity, and hopefully we don't choose that. But I feel like <laughs> it's so funny that as we mature and we, we just learn to experience more of who he is, he wants to show us more. He wants to reveal more about his character, but he can't show us the God that comforts if we don't experience grief. And he can't show us the God that, that, um, that causes us to ha- experience this financial miracle if we never experience a need. And so I just, I just feel like that's what the Lord really wanted me to share tonight, and hopefully it, it really came across, and, and hopefully it made sense. That's what I was worried about. Like, I didn't want to word vomit all over you, or actual vomit all over you if I was nervous. But, um, um, but that was just what I felt like the Lord revealed to me. And um, I remember not too long ago, actually over the summer, I do a lot of my praying in my bathtub, and I think it's that. So it's like, you know how people say, that's kind of, I guess, um, personal, but um, um, people say that they'll, when they meet with God, that they'll put a chair right there, you know, and they visualize Jesus, and they're like, okay, I will wait. I'm not getting up until you say something for me. I don't know if my bathtub is a place to do that, because I'm, like, comfortable. I'm there, so I'll just wait. You just go have a cup of coffee, God. Like, I'll just wait here. Like, I'm, I'm cool here, so I don't know. I don't know why, but it's just, or maybe it's a place that I just don't have the noise, but that's where I tend to pray, do a lot of praying, and I remember that I remember, I think I had watched a really fiery woman preacher on TV, and I was like, I want to be able to preach your word, Lord. I want to share what I know is kind of rumbling down here, but that I, I, I know when I, even when I lead worship, sometimes I'm afraid to speak because usually what comes out is crying, and, and that's lame. And, uh, and, like, and not even like the pretty, like, single tear crying. It's like the ugly crying, like the, where you're like the red dots and like the mascara running down and like your nose is like Rudolph, bright red. So it's the ugly crying. It's just when you're wrecked, you know. That's what I experienced, so that's lovely. And I'm coming to accept that about myself. But I remember saying, God, I want to preach your word, and I, I, and I want to, to, to share with everybody who you are. And I just I, I really know that that's in me, but I just don't know when it'll come out. And the Lord says, well, you need, you need a revelation. And I was like, thought I had one. Um, he's like, no, you don't. So I was like, okay, well, God... I, I, I reveal to me more of who you are, and I, and, I, and I realize he actually brought some things back to my attention that I'd already experienced. And it's like I saw myself, I was at our old house, I saw myself laying in bed with grief, and then I saw him come and wrap his arm around me. And I know. I mean, I saw it. And that, that was that revelation for me that it's like maybe if that whole experience were just so that I learned more about who he was, that it was worth it. So I just really want to encourage you, and I see the ugly crying is happening. <laughs> I really just, 
I really just to close want to encourage you tonight that if you're struggling and experiencing frustration or, or difficulty or adversity, whether it be financial or or um, just even stress in your marriage or you're believing for someone's salvation, that that as you're you're struggling through those those times, I pray that you just wouldn't press against the struggle, but you would you would start we, we, that we would have an attitude shift. And that we would look at these temporary places as, as opportunities for, for his miracles. And that we would just build this log of his, his amazing faithfulness throughout our lives. So that, I, I, that when our children are young and, and we're old and, and we're just sharing, it's like God, is, God has done this. And I just know that Israelites did that. I know that, that, that people, I, they talk about it a lot in the Old Testament. And, and I feel like we need to do that. Like we need to talk about those things. That's why we share testimonies. And I, and I just, I really just want to encourage you that as, as we, instead of living emergency to emergency and, and crisis to crisis, that we begin to live altar to altar. So um, just as, as we close tonight, let's just pray. And I don't know if you want to come up and talk. Hopefully I didn't say too many ghetto words. I didn't say like, that would be foul. That's all my kids talk. So anyway, um, <laughs> let's just pray. Lord God, we just thank you tonight, Father. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you just continue to reveal more about who you are to us, God. And that while we know that picture that we have of who you are will always be limited because we see, we see in part. Father, we thank you that, that that picture can become more and more complete as we experience trouble. And, and we know, Father, that, that the rain falls on the just and the unjust and some stuff is just life. But, Jesus, we just pray that you would be near to us, Father, and that we wouldn't let dwell in our emotions and in our soul, but that our soul would rise up and worship you and declare your praises, Jesus. And we just worship you tonight, and we thank you, Father, for your word. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know, that you will show yourself faithful. And Jesus, if, if nothing else ever happens in our lives, Lord God, we just... We will always worship you, Jesus, just because of who you are, Lord, just because you're worthy. So we just worship you tonight, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.